Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. Thanks for spending your time with us and sharing your energy, your love, your insight, and your wisdom. I want to thank Ked Quiethawk for that amazing introduction. You can find him at nativestorytellers.com. Check it out. It's an amazing site, and you'll learn a lot about our history that you never knew before. Mark has an amazing couple of people on tonight, so I'm really looking forward to this show. Um, both of them I've I've listened to before, and I have been enthralled by them and what they have to share. Hope you will be, too. So, Mark, take it away. All right. Hey, Barbara, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Yeah. Yeah, since this is the first show of the week, um, I need to remind the listeners of the show you're doing tomorrow from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Barring another microburst over your house. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have Ahmed Aspin on, and he's he's an amazing man, and his material is fascinating. So I'm looking forward to this uh, show. Yeah, and uh, you're covering another one of his books tomorrow, all right? Um, yes, the, the Egyptian Foundation of Christianity. It, it's an it's a fascinating book. I'm looking forward to listening to that one too. Okay. Um, you know, why fly to Nevada and storm Area 51 when Nightlight is bringing the invasion to the listeners? And you know, join us. We have Seminole Lisa, the human billboard, the serene one, and the red dragon rider here with us. Um, they, yeah, there's a conference in Knoxville, Tennessee, the Alien Expo on August 17th and 18th that Barbara and I wanted listeners to know about. Uh, two of these stellar presenters are our guests this evening. A third presenter, uh, Brent Rains, will be with us August 27th to cover his upcoming 
book. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get a, you know, a little recap of uh, his presentation at the Alien Expo and you know what he will be covering at the Mothman Festival. Uh, but tonight we have uh, Mary Joyce for the first hour and Reverend Michael Carter for the second hour. And we are glad they are returning to Nightlight. Um, Mary, you will be uh, presenting on underground bases in West, Western North Carolina. Uh, you cover these mysterious happenings also in your book, Underground Military Bases Hidden in North Carolina Mountains. And you have uh, related materials on your fascinating website, skyshipsovercashers.com. Alrighty, I'm glad you guys, I'm glad you guys are um, giving a boost to this Alien Expo in Knoxville uh, for the simple reason that most of the uh, big conferences happen out in the western part of this country, and so I think it's really great that uh, I think the spearhead person behind all of this is Katina Kyle, who does the mysterious radio show out of Knoxville, and she and two of the radio stations um, are sponsoring this. It's going to be at the uh, Knoxville Convention Center, right in the heart of town. It's a big facility, so I assume they have room for a very large audience. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And they actually gave me an assignment of two topics. Um, I'll be talking, first of all, about UFOs in um, basically North Carolina and also the secret underground bases. So they, they gave me a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Okay. Um... It it does look like a great conference. A uh, lot of really big name speakers with Stephen Bassett is going to be there. Mike Barra, you know, see them on Ancient Aliens all the time. I right, just uh, Ken Johnston, a real. Uh, Astronaut Kathleen Martin. I, I mean, yeah, those are some really big names, and you and Michael are going to be there, and and as well as Brent. Uh, you know, there are even more people on their website. Ray Hernandez. Looks like a really good weekend. If people want to find out more specifically about who's going to be speaking, it's really um, easy to remember their website. And it's just the word alien and expo. They spell it the letter X, the letter P, and the letter O, alienexpo.com. And then, you know, people can find out about all the present, uh, presenters. Um, Mary, since you brought up, uh, uh, say, you know, just contact in the deserts, you know, usually is what, uh, late May, early June in – Southern California. Do, do you find that there is going to be a different uh, feel with this, you know, significant conference being held in the East? It, you know, do, do, do you see any kind of difference between how you know, the West Coast and East Coast presents UFOs? Um, this is one. Of, this is really one of the forerunners for this part of the country, and mm -hmm. since it's the first time they've had it, it's pretty hard to really answer your question. 
but the way they're setting it up, the way they're handling it, uh, looks like it's going to be on a par with um, the more common um, conferences in the western part. Okay, well, that's good. And you know, since, since you are going to be presenting on um, so, some of the these underground bases, um, you know, this. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one of the things I'm going to do. I'm going to start off my presentation talking about uh, UFOs. And one mm-hmm. of the reasons that I'm looking forward to this is that most of the time I'm talking on the radio, at, which I enjoy, but it requires me to be better at making uh, word pictures because that's all we have to work with. And the neat thing about at this uh, expo is that I'm going to be putting on a regular photo show uh, of things that um, just absolutely will not translate totally into words. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm going to be starting with the UFOs, uh, you know, in the mountains of Western North Carolina, but I will make a jump at one point and be sharing some phenomenal photos that I haven't seen anywhere else. And they were uh, photos that we got from a man from the Netherlands who contacted us and he had taken um, NASA photos and he dusted and cleaned them so that, you know, the, the interference was taken out of the photos. So I have the pictures, the original NASA photos, and then I show the ones where he's cleaned them up. And the amount of detail and the size of these things are just incredible. And um, as you know, Jupiter's our largest planet, and these UFOs that are around the sun are bigger than Jupiter. Wow. Oh, so I'm anxious to share those with people. Oh, I'm sure that would uh, capture their attentions very quickly. And, and you know, since you're going to be covering, um, you know, the, the mountainous area of Western North Carolina uh, versus, you know, say, the east eastern side, where you get okay, you get a lot of beaches and the ocean. Is there something about the elevations of some of these uh, mountains that are attracting uh, more UFO phenomenon sightings than well, we started our website because there were so many UFO sightings over Cashers, which is a mountaintop town uh, here in Western North Carolina. And there is a mountain there that's well known in this area. It's called Whiteside or Whiteside. And it is predominantly uh, granite and crystal. Now, if you know uh, yeah. about crisp, you know, crystals, uh, they are to this day used in radio and uh, computers and electronics. Watches and, and it has been speculated for a long time that the spacecraft might very well use that, like an Omni, which planes would use under normal circumstances. Oh, okay. Uh, that's putting it in, into perspective. I, I was just wondering. If, I think if there's, there's more. Reason, I think there's more reasons than that. Um, there are a lot of natural. Um, caves underneath the ground here in the mountains, 
And I think um, uh, that has attracted our own military. Uh, it, it has to be at least one factor in building these underground facilities because they could um, expand upon empty spaces underground that are already there. And I'm sure that's helpful. Okay. It, it's, so what are you seeing with these bases or, or are you able uh, to go to you know, like a opposite hill a mountaintop and look down to what's going on? You know, how are you observing some of these well, uh, mountaintops where they go in? Um, we can see the um, we can see some of the ones from with like Google. Um, we get most of our information from people who have um, high security clearance who've um, been closely involved. The average person is not going to be able to see this. Like there's been a lot of talk about Area 51 and everybody, you know, um, charging the place. But that is a place that is spread out over a very large area. There's lots, I'm sure, underground, but a lot can be seen from the surface. That is not the case with the ones in North Carolina. They are pretty well hidden, and you really have to um, find out about them. Okay. Are, are there dimensions of these uh, entrances, uh, uh, landing pads, you know, working pads? You know, ha have they leveled some of the no, uh, mountaintops? No, uh, uh you don't. You have to kind of erase the whole image of Area 51, which is easily accessible from the air, and you can see, you know, where planes or UFOs or whatever could easily land. Um, we see and get reports of UFOs around these different facilities, um, and we've seen them over the entrances that you know we're aware of. Um, but you do not see landing fields like you would in Area 51. It's quite different. Okay. Um, you know, uh, what kinds of crafts are being reported? Um, for the most part around the bases, it, we would be getting more of the saucer shape. Uh, we do get reports of um, that type of craft going in and out of a lake that would be uh, just to the... Um, west of like one of the centers it's called it's referred to as the perry center uh it's an acronym for pisca astronomical research institute uh kind of a very it has a lot of stories behind it it originally was part of the department of defense during the cold war it was used as a tracking station for uh, satellites and you know whatever else might fly over um it is no longer technically part of the department of defense and the, the most visible part, the part that can be seen or even visited on the top is like a capstone cover for what's underneath. <clears throat> Excuse me. And right, <clears throat> right now it's used as an astronomical research uh, institute. But that's only the surface facility. Okay. Um... And there's been, excuse me, recent activity, and we first heard about it from um, residents near the facility, near Perry, 
where they were hearing and feeling vibrations going on again around the place. And I was getting wind that there were um, there were people or there were efforts to, um, you know, dig and, and maybe expand the facility. That is something I was able to um, confirm actually using Google to, because after I heard about it, I started uh, using Google again to uh, find the place. And I found two giant tarps over a hole, and where the tarps didn't quite come together, you could see that it was a big hole. And then there were um, excavating equipment, and uh, you could see where dirt was being taken from this hole and spread out over a hill, you know, just to kind of like dispense with it. Um, What was interesting was that the soil that was being distributed was a very light color, and I I got a cross-section of um, uh, the different layers of soil in the area, and the deeper you you would go, the lighter the soil would be. So this soil that they were spreading out over the hillside uh, was very, very light, much lighter than the topsoil. So that indicated it was coming from uh, deeper. So that's one that's one way where we were actually able to um, show people how they could find it for themselves on the website or uh, you know using Google. Okay, so it, it there's a little something that you could see external externally, but it, it, you've been able to confirm that there's some kind of boring going down, uh, but do, do you know how deep they're going? I, uh, there's no way I'm going to know that. Uh, okay. What I do know as far as the information about it being city-sized, that came from two individuals who did not know each other who both had uh, high security clearance, and um, they both confirmed that that did indeed exist there. Wow, uh, city-sized, that's an interesting statistic. <clears throat> That was the description one of the witnesses um, gave me. Wow. Okay. So uh, that you know, this is actually pretty, pretty big underground uh, center. And I suspect that. Well, there none of them are going to be the size of Area 51. Like I said, you kind of have to erase that from your mind. But these facilities here in North Carolina have to be of you know considerable size. There's one beneath the Smoky Mountain National Park. And uh, during the years when it was being, let's say, built, um, which would be more around 20, let's say 2012, and shortly thereafter, there were huge um, working crafts with the military flying in and out of there. And one of the witnesses was able to get a picture of a very large cargo plane flying low and up and out of the, the park. Uh, and the tailgate was still, you know, the back tailgate was still open, so it had just made a dump. And then uh, we got a, uh, two photos of Osprey helicopters being used, uh, dropping off um, big cartons like uh, railroad boxcar type um, shapes mm. being dropped from the uh, the Osprey. So there was a lot of evidence that way, in addition to lots of vibrations coming from beneath the earth. Um, people who would get near to where we believe the entrance actually is um, have heard the sounds of like a uh, pylon being p- 
pound it into the ground like you would be building a bridge. Um, they've, hear, they've heard vibrations, um, you know, everything that coincides with uh, construction. Okay, so there's, sounds like there is obviously a, you know, the, the military involvement, but who's who's behind it and and what's the purpose? I, you know, we, we know there's like the Greenbrier oh, yeah. uh, that's, uh, that's bunker. So, yeah, that's so outdated that they let the public know about it. Yep. And now you can have tours of it, which means, you know, nothing like that exists now. Everything's got to be way beyond it. Yeah. And, um, uh, back in 2011, we had two former Air, Air Force officers uh, who were doing their own investigation of the Perry Center, and uh, one of them told me that, uh, uh, I don't know how competently they said this, but they believed very strongly that there were underground tunnels connecting um, the Perry Center to other facilities along the spine of the Appalachian Mountains. Um, and again, you can get confirmation in some of the weirdest ways. Um, the Perry Center is at one end of the Balsam Mountain Ridge, and we've gotten reports um, in the past uh, from people who live along the Balsam Ridge, and they would report um, for a period of time, sometimes just a short amount of time, sometimes for weeks, uh, of underground grinding and pounding and mechanical sounds beneath their homes, and then uh, that would cease to be which would indicate uh, tunnels being created because, you know, once they get through, they're done. So uh, uh, that was kind of an indirect way of supporting what this Air Force officer had told us. Okay. Well, if you've heard uh, people, uh, you know, talking about there are all these, uh, bases under the spine of the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, is there some uh, rail service or something that's connecting all, all, all these uh, places that have to be uh, miles apart? Um, or a bus service? Prob probably in about two weeks. I'll be posting a story uh, and a link to the best video I could find of these tunnels actually being created. So you can see the equipment and then you begin to really appreciate the size and the enormity of the projects. And um, like I said, that we just posted stuff today. Our um, webmaster is up in your neck of the woods. I think he's in West Virginia for a class reunion or something. And so I don't know if, if he'll be able to do something next week or we'll have to wait for the following week uh, for him to post our next batch of postings. Well, uh, the, the enormity that you were talking about goes along with the city size of some of these uh, uh, bases that were uh, told to you. Yeah, this sounds... This is just a really uh, captivating topic. Well, as far as the tunnel boring machines, they're bigger than um, train cars. 
they're longer and they're uh, obviously cylindrical in shape and they would be bigger than a boxcar, but at least that gives you some place to start hanging an image on. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this, this, uh, this, this really is uh, fascinating. It's like, and so, yeah, during your uh, discussion at the uh, expo next month, um, you're probably be uh, bringing up the uh, United Nations. Workforce who has also been seen there. What's their role in this massive uh, digging project? Uh, I don't know if anybody has all the answers to the question you just asked. Um, back in uh, 1972, uh, the United States under uh, President Nixon signed on to the World Heritage uh, Treaty, and that put um, some things in our country under the jurisdiction of the UN. Uh, the Smoky Mountain National Park is one of those. So even though it's within our country, it is still under the auspices of um, the United Nations. Uh, that might be part of the reason that... Um, uh, in this area, there's been, you know, sightings of uh, German and Polish and UN uh, troops um, practicing maneuvers. So um, I don't know. Kind of all very interesting. Oh yes, it is. And and, and I learned about that before I ever got into the website. We started the website. Sky Shifts Over Cashers in 2008, which is 11 years ago now. But I moved here to North Carolina in 98. And it was shortly after that that I began to hear about people seeing these foreign troops in the forest, you know, doing things or practicing or whatever. Um, one of the first guys who confirmed it with me uh, at that time owned a, a sporting goods store. Uh, kind of a, anyhow, a back-in-time type store. And that's where all the good old boys would go and, you know, congregate and have their conversations. Mm-hmm. And so many of them, when they were out either hunting or riding their um, uh, all-terrain vehicles, uh, would would run into these troops. Hmm. Okay. Uh, it, 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 it sounds like there's... Yeah, you know, a, a small population in, in the area. I, you know, I haven't been there. Uh, I've been you know, more than North Carolina Beach side, but uh, it, it is this area where, where all this activity uh, is going on? It, it is that just really like a, a expansive uh, sections of where very few people live or uh, you get you know, a couple small you know smaller towns scattered here and there uh, like, I would say as a general rule they are in um, very low populated areas okay if you're going to hide something might as well hide it where there's not a lot of people to figure it out yeah you know, I just wonder wonder with you know the few people riding 
ATVs through the area and, you, and just like come across, uh, you know, troops. I just wonder what the population size was. Well, people also have run into in the park, in the remote areas, probably when they're getting too close to this uh, area where we're pretty convinced the, the entrance must be. Um, they've run into um, park rangers who are carrying machine guns, which is very odd. Yes. Another thing, this is just popping into my head, but um, there were two men at the fish hatchery in Cherokee, and the water flowing from the, the river or the creek uh, was just, you know, pretty much drying up. So these two men from the fishery went up, it's like a dirt road that would follow, one lane road that would follow the creek or the river, and they uh, ended up um, uh, running into these um, uh, supposed rangers and who told them to go back. And those men did lose their jobs very shortly after that. And what was interesting is that the very top of the mountain that would feed water into the fish hatchery there was a reservoir which was completely dried up, but there was a 50,000-gallon water tank that had been half buried in that reservoir, and there were pipes going from that down into the ground. So it looked very much like the water was being drained off and sent down to the facility um, where we believe the entrance is. So it was supplying the water for whatever's going on beneath the ground. Okay. Oh, it's uh, it sounds like it's being engineered to sustain you know, the underground city dwellers. Oh, that's what I would guess. Well, okay. Well, it's all it's all you know. You're putting everything into a place, and you know, speaking of water, uh. It, you know, we've spoken a little bit about the uh, UFOs over, uh, you know, the mountains and you know, the, uh, the this area. But you also mentioned, you just had a, a brief mention of uh, USOs in a nearby lake. Um, you know, what's being reported on? That it just uh, this is interesting. It's just uh, a, a air and water uh, the, phenomenon that's going the, on. The spaceships are impervious to air and impervious to water. I don't even choose to use a different term for them because they're the same thing. Um, by the way, when I was at a recent um, Bigfoot conference in Georgia, um, I was doing an interview with a man. Um, intending to get a Bigfoot story from him. And the more I talked to him, I found out that he had been um, in the Navy for like 10 years, and part of his um, responsibility for half of that time was to be on um, uh, ships that would track uh, submarines. And so he was all over the world with that. And on five occasions, uh, he and his uh, crew or teammates or whatever um, saw... Um, a huge underground, I mean, not underwater uh, UFOs going beneath their ship, much bigger than their ship. And uh, they were required to report that officially, but they had to re 
reports them as bioluminescence. And a bioluminescence is would be these little uh, critters that, um, you know, almost like algae that uh, mm-hmm. live in water and they self-illuminate. Well, these, these uh, UFOs, which is what they really were, would change color completely. I, I can't remember right now, but it would be like yellow, blue, red. Um, and so if it was a bioluminescence, all those little critters would not be changing color at the same time. And that's what they experienced. But I thought it was interesting the Navy required them to list it as a bioluminescence. Okay, and um, Mary, you also discuss the. Um, there, there's almost like uh, you know, aside from the uh, guardians around the entrance with the machine guns, there are also. Uh, what uh, appears to be some kind of like uh, de- defense system that uh, causes people to start having panic panic attacks as they I, I get call, a little closer. I call it um, a human bug repellent or human repellent. Um, I've experienced myself, and each time I was with other people, and we all experienced the same thing. And as we got close to the Perry Center, um, you just began to get this kind of icky feeling in your head, and it's like you wanted to get away. And um, from everything I've been able to piece together talking to different people who know things about this, um, they're using some kind of electromagnetic pulse or something uh, that people find unpleasant, and it kind of repels people. Uh, If there was uh, one gal who went... Uh, near the uh, entrance to the facility of, and again, she's above the entrance. She's on a mountain overlooking or being on top of where the entrance must be uh, beneath the Smoky Mountain National Park. And when she drove up there, um, it was a real clear day. Uh, Sun was shining, the birds were singing, but as she got closer to this place, she noticed that suddenly it was quiet, no birds were singing. And the longer she stayed there, she went from, you know, having just a weird feeling in her head to having a headache to feeling nauseated or nauseous. And uh, then when she finally began to leave, then those uh, symptoms subsided. She also, while she was there, uh, heard and felt the um, uh, mechanical uh, sounds from beneath the earth. Hmm. Okay. Uh, The plot thickens. This this is just a a, uh, really fascinating story, Mary. Yeah, there's so many that um, I can only speak for an hour, and uh, uh, there's no way I can touch on everything, but at least I'll give people a good picture show. Okay. um, So when you do your PowerPoint presentation, are you going to be covering, and, and you do have some of the information on uh, the Sky Ships Over Cashers, uh, com website, but uh, will you be making some uh, uh, 
pointing out some commonalities between what you've uh, discovered going on in Western North Carolina and uh, Antarctica and what you know all this new information that's coming out. I'm not. Um, gonna, I'm not going to be touching Antarctica on this one. I have an hour, and I've been assigned UFOs over this part of the country and okay. underground bases, and I will not be getting into that. No. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I was. I'll, I'll have to do, do an Antarctica show. Covered so many things. There's no way I could cover everything in an hour. And you know that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we could. Oh, yeah. yeah we I, can always turn you loose and you know, fill up three hours. <laughs> by the way, is. Um, your cohort still there? Is she listening, or is she just running mechanical equipment? No, no, I'm uh, still uh, Barbara here. should still be there. You're still there? Well, I wanted to, yeah. um, when I was hearing the intro with the man with the wonderful voice, um, somewhere in his words he was talking about uh, wisdom or ancient wisdom, and I wanted to yeah. share with you uh, something that I just recently posted on the website but it's from an experience I had back in the 1980s, and it might be kind of up your alley. And um, when I lived on Cocoa Beach between Kennedy Space Center and Patrick Air Force Base in the late 1980s, um, I was fortunate to meet a number of NASA folks. And one of them was an engineer who lived just down the beach from me. And one day he surprised me when he arrived at my door with a gift, and it was a box of 24 books. And these were not ordinary books. It was a complete collection of esoteric philosophical books by Alice Bailey. And if uh-huh. that name is not familiar to anyone, she is, um, God, does that go back to the 30s, I think? Um, yeah, it she does. She <laughs> was getting telepathic information from um, uh, someone that's known as the Tibetan, like a grandmaster, and he dictated uh-huh. these books. Um, and... Uh, there, there was two things that surprised me in this whole encounter with this engineer. First, that he had a box of philosophical, esoterical books. That surprised me. And um, they dealt with, you know, spirituality regarding the solar system, destiny of nations, meditation, healing, psychology, telepathy, and a whole lot more. But the second surprise was that he said that uh, many of his... Um, co-workers had read the books too. So here we have engineers at the Kennedy Space Center reading ancient Alice Bailey Tibetan books. Wow. <laughs> I thought you might find that of interest. I, I think it's very interesting because it, you know, it used to be that people just sh- you know, shied away from people that were doing spiritual stuff and, and now, now it's, it's almost... Um, it's so common that people don't even, you know, they're not upset by it. And, you know, where once we used to be burned at the stake, now people are asking for, you know, advice and information, which I think is fabulous because it's so important that people do get into that aspect of themselves. So that's really cool. Yeah, I thought it was too. And, like, I've known that for years, but for some reason, uh, maybe it was all the talk about uh, Apollo 11, uh, suddenly, my experiences uh, in that part of Florida 
just came rushing back to me. I thought, you know, I really ought to share that. And that's the first time I've ever really talked about it. Well, thank you very much. I, it, it means a lot because, you know, a lot of people have been closet spiritual people, but they're, they're becoming more and more comfortable with the fact that um, it's okay and there's really something important in, in that aspect of life that, that, you know, we all ought to be paying attention to. Um, one more thing that I posted very recently that, uh, in fact, it just got sent out today. Um, I did three articles on psychic children. One is called Psychic Child Who Saw a Ghost. Another one, Psychic Child Who Saw Visions. And the third one is Suggestions for Parents Who Have Psychic Children. And uh, so that's another field that has become uh, much more accepted um, than just even a few years ago. Oh, yeah. and you and know it makes so much. It, it makes such a difference in in how the child grows up that that they're accepted and what they know how to do and what they can do is is okay. It, right, it, and, it and that's the reason I. That's the reason I added the the article about suggestions for parents. You know, with real specific one-liner ideas because uh, parents can uh, there's there's good ways to handle. Uh, the things that children are telling them without um, uh, putting them down or dismissing them or, um, I don't know, just handling it the wrong way. So I think there's probably close to a dozen points that um, parents should really consider. And well, the, things I've been talking, the things I've been talking about since I asked if you were still there um, are all listed on the home page. Uh, under see what's new on this website and um, so the three things about psychic children and the one about the NASA engineer and the wisdom books are all easily easy to find very cool I will make sure I check it out mark two and that's a good segue to my question Uh, the uh, uh, a website has a recent posting where um, there's a, a pat- pattern of sightings in Western North Carolina. Um, is you know the uh, a- a- the premiere of the uh, episode on ancient aliens last uh, Friday? Uh, the, Discuss a pattern in uh, the Hudson Valley. Do do you find that there's a pattern in these sightings? You know, like they're showing up like all around the around the same time of the year, or or same like between uh, 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. Something like that. uh, just about the time you think you have it all figured out, it changes. Okay. Um, so you can find patterns, but I don't know if you can make the pattern stick or not. Um, uh, I do know that sometimes things happen in clusters. Uh, okay. For example, uh, in I think it's 2013, our key um, sky watcher up in Cashers got some phenomenal photos, and I will be showing some of those at the Alien Expo. Um, 
we had a whole series of, of UFOs that looked totally different, including some that looked more like asteroids than anything else. Um, which And we got this long before, um, let's see if I can say it right, Omahu, Mahu, or Ma, the, uh, the big stone-looking um, UFO asteroid that has been in the news, you know, this year. And uh, uh, it looks like an asteroid, and yet it moves in a way that people think it could be uh, a camouflage ship. And uh, that's kind of what we thought we were seeing over her house. And even though they look like asteroids, they uh, hovered over uh, the woman's house. And they were not self-illuminated. They were seen because of some minimal light coming from the ground. Uh, Very odd looking. So I'll be showing those for sure. But they all came at that time, and and uh, we have not seen the, those odd ones since then. So it was a it was a cluster. Okay, and Mary, with your uh, de- descriptions uh, of yeah, what we could probably imagine. Uh, going on and in these lengthy tunnels uh, and con- I, I connecting. You need, you need to just think of the tunnels as an underground subway system. Mm-hmm. And 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 it just seems like you know it's kind of, kind of like going back to you know like the mythology and folklore of. Uh, Agartha, and you know, it's like uh, nothing really uh, changes. It's like you know what, what we're doing today has already been uh, done in the past, and you know, it, it, even you know, the Book of Revelation has a passage about you know the people living under the ground. So this this is. Uh, uh, just, just what what you've been discussing is just a continuation of uh, ideas that have been around for thousands of years. They're just being more fully developed. You don't have to um, get into any of this very deeply uh, to uh, get the feeling that uh, we are not getting smarter. Uh, there, has been, <laughs> there have been great civilizations, perhaps greater than we can imagine, before us. And it's like society, it's like you and I suddenly, everything just got destroyed. Now, you and I know a lot, uh, but we would not have the wherewithal to create the things that we take for granted in our society. So starting from scratch in the woods would be pretty awful. And I think we as um, a people that we can relate to now in our immediate history, we've had to work our way back out of the primitive conditions. Interesting when you look at it. And, you know, we've heard, heard a little bit about uh, the uh, UN troops. Have you heard accounts uh, about 
you know, the if there are any of the different types of ETs uh, being at these locations? Um, there's indi- um, there have been people at one of the sites where um, they have where that seems to be the case. It's very common for the ships to be seen. It's not common for the aliens to be seen. And since you're now talking about aliens, um, and I want to bring Barbara back in here on this one uh, because she'll appreciate the fact that some things just happened. Today, uh, and I did not initiate any of this, I was contacted by three people um, who are, um, let's say, all researchers who've been in this field for a long time. They are all concerned about the bad kind of aliens. And um, I first heard the term the dominators when I was doing a little people story. And the little people, uh, about a year after I had made contact with the land and the man who has the land where these little people live, uh, they, I said, if they ever get any information to share, let me know. About a year later, um, they, they um, pre, you know, I was given a message from them. And one of their biggest concerns is a group of ETs they call the dominators. And the dominators are the most foul of the ETs. And according to them, they regard um, Earth as the farm and humans as the food supply. And they prefer the small humans, uh, just like I guess many humans prefer veal because they're young cattle. it may very well connect with these um, very unusual number of disappearances of people and children. Um, the little people are afraid beyond belief of these dominators. So these three men contacted me today, and all three are wanting to pursue um, finding out more confirmation and information about um, what I will call the dominators. Uh, they may have other names, but that's the little people's name for them. So I thought Barbara might appreciate the fact that, you know, all of that just happened in one day without me initiating it. Um, and when things happen in clusters like that, I just have to pay attention. No, absolutely. I've not heard that name before, but certainly I the, the, um, the number of children that are turning up missing is staggering. So something's happening to them. It's it's more than um, it, it, it's more than kids just getting lost or even kind of being kidnapped. It's 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 a staggering number of children, and that's in this country. In third world countries, it's even worse. There would be no record. It would, there would be no record of it. Right, right. Wow. I'll have to check into that because you know I've not heard that before, but that that just means that that I haven't heard it before. It doesn't mean it hasn't been out there. But uh, um, well, It's new to me, too. Um, what was interesting was that I asked one of the guys who called me, I said, now, is somebody just picking up? Because he said he'd heard it from other sources. And I said, is somebody just picking this up from reading the article that we at one time had posted and still is on the website somewhere? 
And he said, no, it was independent of that. So um, I don't know if the term dominator is broadly used. That may, that's one that the little people use. Um, so there may be other names for the same entities. I certainly will check into it, but thank you. It's, it's if you something find out I haven't heard before. Let me know. It's, it's, oh, absolutely. That, um, it's creepy as all get out, but I guess we better know about it. But, yeah, better to know about it than to just pretend it isn't there. Right. And besides absolutely. that, you know, people have been coming up with these theories like uh, there's some of them are quick to uh, blame the Bigfoot. And uh, we have plenty of Bigfoot reports in this area. I think I've done the last count was like 65 stories on Bigfoot. And um, my general feeling about the Bigfoot is they're benign and they are not violent. The only times that I ever have heard violent stories about the Bigfoot are either where hunters are going after them, they've uh, endangered the little big feet, the little Bigfoot children or something along those lines. Uh, for the most part, I think they just as soon avoid us. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I'll totally agree with you on that. I think they're about as benign so as I, they can. I've come to, to the defense of the Bigfoot because I really don't think they ought to be blamed for these children disappearing in the woods. No, they would be more inclined to rescue them than anything else. That's what I, that's what I feel. Okay. And, uh, Mary, we have oh, about five minutes or so. Um left um, with you, Zir. Uh, any other uh, points you want to make about the upcoming conference? Well, it's a two-day conference. It's on the 17th and 18th of August. Um, I will be speaking, and Michael, who you're having on next, will be speaking mm -hmm. on Sunday. I'm, I'm speaking at 10, and he's speaking the hour after I'm there. Oh, okay. uh, so you might want to know that. Uh, we have talked quite a bit about underground bases, so I will mention that I have done a book on the subject. It's available through Amazon, and it's um, underground bases hidden in North Carolina mountains. So if people are especially interested in that, um, that might be a book they'd be interested in. Okay, and uh, you want to talk to us about uh, how, how to find your website and um, I'll say it and then I'll help everybody remember it uh, it's skyships over cashers and cashers is spelled just like a cashier at uh, a store skyshipsovercashers.com and it's named after the town of cashers which is a mountaintop community where we continue to have um, you know UFO reports and your books are uh, can also be found on Amazon. Amazon, right. And the other two books um, that are available through Amazon, one is called <clears throat> Cherokee Little People Real, and I guess that should be mentioned because I've been talking about the little people being, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so afraid of the dominators. <clears throat> and the other book. Um, is one that's totally different than anything else I've done, and it's called Tangible Evidence of Jesus. And it's um, scientific and archaeological information that just 
broadens the understanding of who the character of Jesus really was. Okay. Uh, uh, this sounds like a really fascinating weekend conference. I hope so. I hope it's a big success for everybody. Okay. And should be... Um, By the way, how long have you and Barbara been a team? Uh, we are just about yeah uh, at our eleven month eleventh month anniversary. So you're almost you've almost been doing this a year. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah we're we're uh, really pleased with it, and and we just uh, appreciate. All, all, all the guests who have helped us to expand just a, you know, a little bit more than the previous week. Very good. That's what you want. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, and uh, – Barbara, do you have any last-minute uh, questions? Barbara, are you the one? Are you the one who leans a little bit toward the the, the spiritual? I'm that's, the yeah, one that's Barbara's dives field. in. I, I I dive in with with both feet. Yes, I've been doing the spiritual stuff for the last fifty years. So yeah. Oh. That would be. And me. how would you define? And how would you define Mark's role in all of this? He's more into the historical stuff and the ancient antiquities, um, so that so that you know he brings he brings the dirt and the rocks, and I bring the spirit and the unicorns. <laughs> That's a quote for you. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't know if that know, can I'm, be a well, it's not it's not exactly a good advertisement. I did do the, the documentary on the secrets of the stones with my late husband, so I am into the ancient artifacts that are here in this country and, and megaliths and, and stuff like that, but but basically my fundamental background is, is the spiritual stuff. So um right. you know, it, it it's it's every now and then I, I I get in a little deeper than Mark is comfortable with, I'm pretty sure. And then for sure he's brought some topics to the show that I know nothing about, and I'm always fascinated to listen when he does shows on them. So it it, it broadened the spectrum that, that Nightlight could cover, and I think it's it's worked out quite well so far. Very good. And since I think what you have a minute or so left, um, I would like to emphasize that uh, anything in my books or on the website um, is very visual. I, I try to write in a very condensed fashion that's easy to read. I boldface things so that those who skim things will at least slow down for the important parts. And there's visuals or photographs with just about everything we post. Um, oh, which, well, absolutely. You know, makes, we, live in, we live in a visual I've, world, I've, and that's important. I've read your book, and I have your book on the little people, and it's really it's a joy to look at and read. Thank you. Okay, and um, um, Mary, Mary, we do have Michael 
here so, uh, uh, somehow you know, my uh, producing skills actually work this time. Mary knows I'm not that good at it, but uh, yeah, these spirits got us through uh, to ha have a smooth transition. So yeah, while we have Michael here, might as well get, get you two to say hi to each other for you know, the listeners' enjoyment as well. Hey, Mary. Hey, it's good to hear your voice. I look forward to seeing How you. How are you? I'm doing real well. Usually I follow you. This is unusual for you to follow me. Well, you know, it's all good. It's life, all good. life always balances out. Um, Michael and I have met a couple times at oh, what, yeah. what, what I call our um, Asheville office, which happens to be the double tree end where we usually can find some corner to talk in. <laughs> we have much to talk about when I see you in a couple of weeks. All righty. Well, yeah. uh, you guys have, uh, I don't want to get into your time here. You guys have a good second hour. Okay. Thanks, Mary. All righty. Take care. Big right. hug. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, so, yeah, she, 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 she's terrific. Uh, that, that, that was really interesting. Um, first hour of her, uh, uh, show tonight, and you know, our listeners should should uh, recognize our second hour uh, guest's voice. Um, yeah, Reverend Michael Carter has been on uh, Nightlight many times. Uh, you've seen him numerous times on Ancient Aliens, uh, the TV show UFOs, The Hidden Evidence. Uh, he's the author of Alien Scriptures, A New World If You Can Take It, uh, God Consciousness, A 30-Day Journey to Achieve God-Centered Thinking. And his website is michaeljscarter.com, and he will be... Speaking, uh, I think Mary said Sunday at the Alien Expo. So, is that right, Michael? It's Sunday, August eighteenth. Yeah, yeah. I think at uh, at eleven thirty. Okay. Yeah. So, and your topic is going to be uh, UFOs in the Bible. You know, I think it will be will probably be all over the place, um, but yeah, we'll we'll begin there. You know, I always wind up talking about um, uh, consciousness or, or the spiritual transformation of of the uh, of the experiencer. But I think we, we could be a little all over the place. But yeah, yeah, there'll be some Bible stuff there. Okay, and yeah, you and. Uh, Barbara's uh, Patrick uh, made us see what has been documented about UFOs for three thousand years. Um, you, know, you know, when we dismiss that, uh, some don't want us to think about UFOs. Uh, there really isn't a normal scientific ex explanation for. The pillar of uh, uh, clouds uh, by day and the pillar of fire by night, and 
the book of Exodus. Uh, I don't, I don't know how else you explain that uh, other than it, you know you, you just have to look at this as a real, you know, very early documented UFO case. Yes, I agree. I mean, there, there's some earlier. The, the Egyptians, I think, uh, there's a passage, I don't remember all of it, that I had uh, read about the Egyptians talking about uh, a disc flying in the sky, and they described it, that it had a breath that stank and that kind of thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I've heard scholars try to um, explain the pillow of cloud by day, pillow of fire by night as, as – um, a volcano, uh, you know, I mean, they, they're, they're very creative. The thing that's most important, I think, about that uh, incident is that there's no Jewish religion until the Exodus. That's what is vital to understand. Yahweh gives this ragtag bunch of people some rules, some laws, tells them that you are my people. And so that is the beginning of the Jewish religion. So that, that that's what is very crucial about that. And I think that, and, and I guess one could argue it, but science can answer a lot of questions, but science cannot really answer, science alone does not answer the deep spiritual questions. They can tell you maybe uh, what something is, but they may not always be able to tell you why. A purpose that for you to find, science will not be able to tell you the purpose of your life, for instance. Uh, you will have to discover that on your own. And there are, of course, ways to do that. But, but so science can only go take us so far by itself, just like religion can only take us so far by itself. Uh, Einstein had said that the religion of the future or the spirituality of the future would encompass both science and religion. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Okay. And, and while, while, while you're talking about um, you know, the early formations of the Jewish... Uh, oh, hold on. Before you go on, sure. I, I have to say hi to Barbara. Barbara, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? There, Barbara yeah. Hey. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Long time. I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> Michael and anyway, I I'm have sorry, more. In... No, no, Mark, Mark. Michael and I have a great deal in common, actually. He actually went to yeah. the same school I went to. And um, when first I, I invited him on my show, to talk about his book, he, he, you know kind of wanted to know if I knew anything about the Bible and UFOs, and I said a little bit. And in in the foreword to his book, he thanks my, my late husband, Patrick Cook. And so when I told him that, yeah, I, I knew a little bit, Patrick Cook was my husband, you know, it was kind of fun. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, uh, Barbara is a very talented psychic, as the audience may or may not know, and uh, has has read me uh, a few times. I know I know at least one time. So anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge you, Barbara. Didn't mean, Mark. Well, I didn't mean you. to uh, be unprofessional. <laughs> but I but I am. A, You're not unprofessional. 
it's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. Um, uh, and, and, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, the, the wonderful array of speakers. And each mm-hmm. person has their own um, perspective and they have their own little niche. And, and I, I, I think that's wonderful because there are many different ways to get from uh, here to there. And um, I, I feel that uh, it's going to be a wonderful conference. And, and I was saying before that, uh, that one of the things that intrigued me about the conference is that it's being produced by a woman of color. And, uh, and I mean, I would have done it anyway, but, you know, things are changing and I'm seeing more diversity uh, at some of the conferences, not a lot, but still more. And I'm talking to more, a more diverse group of people about their experiences. And so that, that, that's been, uh, I'm looking forward to that. And of course, some of the people I've worked with before, um, you know, on various shows. So things are uh things are looking up um we have the air force uh well no not the air my god i'm dating myself we have the navy navy pilots coming on and telling us about things we already knew probably things they already knew but weren't allowed to say um so we're in the midst of of a lot of change and it can be scary but uh, uh this is life and so you grab it by the horns and you and, and you go with it. There's a lot of knowledge out there, a lot of wisdom, a lot of disinformation. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff out there, but uh, we, we we weather it. Michael, it just uh, continue with uh, your, your line of, uh, of thought. Uh, you know, Barney Hill. You know, Pioneered a, a lot of the uh, concept of uh, co- coming forward. You know, you're a, a leading orator, and on uh, you, know, a, you know many episodes of Ancient Aliens and uh, all, all your other uh, appearances. Are, are uh, yeah, do, do you find that they're more? Uh, African American people, or just, uh, just people of uh, color, just yeah. wanting yeah. to sh- uh, be at these conferences to sh- start yeah. sharing their experiences. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, um, uh, I have. When I first started Ancient Aliens, I, I got I got a lot of email and stuff from folks who were saying, "Man, it's about time," or "I'm glad there's somebody who looks like me talking about this," and what have you. Uh, and, and again, at, like when I was at the UFO, the International UFO Congress uh, in January in, in uh, Scottsdale, uh, Arizona, yeah, there, there were more. And I'm seeing it more. I'm being introduced to more people. And it's, a, it, it's refreshing um, uh, because they're looking for a place much like I was. Who can I talk to about this stuff and people not think that I need to be locked up somewhere? Because it's it's very cultural. I mean, it's not just the African-American community. And I'm, I want to be clear, I cannot speak for uh, the whole African-American community. But I will say this. It's a very Jesus-centered 
community. And and, and and I'm painting with a broad brush, so people out there just know that. Uh, and a lot of it is, where is Jesus in this? Um, or it's a threat to uh, the, 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 the standing theological position. And again, not only with African Americans, but uh, it, it can be, it, it, you can walk a tightrope. Uh, I have my, my dear sister, my dear half-sister, we are very close, and she is evangelical, and I, I do Reiki, and she's, she will not accept any of it from me. Uh, she's very leery of it because she says, where's Jesus in all this? And so we just agree to disagree. So it's a lot of cultural barriers there as well. It takes a lot of courage, no matter what you look like. Um, but uh, it, it, again, to to answer your query, I'm seeing more diverse audiences, and I'm seeing people who, you know, not like like I'm speaking in um, next year in Albuquerque at a, a conference called the Human Origins Conference, and the poster that was put on Facebook is really mostly white males, mm-hmm. and there were some people who in in, 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 a, in a way that was palatable, they weren't nasty, they were women, and they were saying, why aren't there more female speakers? Where where are the female speakers? And it's a conversation that needs to be had. Not 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 to put anybody on the defensive necessarily, but saying, hey, uh, and this is what Ray Hernandez's, uh, you know, his research has shown that these beings come to everybody. Black, white, rich, poor, gay, straight. But if you look at the TV shows and what have you, you would think that only there, only a certain group is being visited. And it's time to hear other voices and other narratives. And it, it, it will take time, but it is beginning to, to happen. Okay, well, I, I just think you're you know, the leading voice of the movement to just discuss you know abductions and you know your story i think with religion i am and i thank you for saying that yeah Uh, and hopefully there'll be some other voices but uh yeah i'm the only one that i know of who is a clergy person who's had the experiences and i've been fortunate to be given enough to be given a platform and i and i try to to live up to that and you know as far as being as accurate and honest as i can and 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 so, but you know there'll be other there'll be other people just like there will there'll be more people and and we'll we'll have more narratives. We need to have more narratives, not just in in uh, ufology, but uh, you know just in, in in all walks of life. We need to hear uh, the other stories that make us a people, that make us a country, and that make us experiencers. So um, I'm I'm I look forward. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah. Uh, and it, it seems that you know, you're, you know, you've been a well-established minister for a while, but you seem like from an early age to have been destined for 
where you are now, does that seem to be a pattern that as you speak to more people that yeah, this is something that had been happening uh, you know, from the pre, you know, like you know, the mom and dad, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you just kind of felt like there there was just something different that was uh, taking you in this uh, direction of being a minister working with people to help them to heal uh bring them closer to god and, and yeah. raise consciousness it, yeah yeah i think if i'm understanding your question okay you, it, oh god okay you know I, I kierkegaard is one of my the danish uh, the christian theologian um said that life is lived forward but it's only understood backwards and looking back I can see there was a guidance. There was a, some type of guidance. Now, I knew from the time I was a child that I was I, I wanted to do something around religion. I don't know how. I don't I don't know how to articulate that. And at one time, I wanted to be a priest. Okay. Now, as I got older, I thought maybe I'll be a secular priest, and by that I mean maybe a counselor or a therapist. But I knew I wanted to serve. I wanted to serve human beings. So what I did was I went into the theater. I mean, when I was a kid, I had all these experiences, but I didn't know how to articulate them. And so, um, and I thought they were pretty normal. But, um, you know, and and there was some diverging along the path. For instance, when I became an actor uh, in New York. And so it seemed at the time that maybe I had, uh, diverged, but I really hadn't because I used those same skills to be in front of an audience, to move people, to be able to speak. I use them as a minister. So I, I feel that there was some type of guidance, even when I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to have done, um, that was bringing me here. But, you know, I do believe that we have choices. And I could I could have taken another path, but but this was strong, and I just opened myself up along the way. You know, going from being raised in the African American Baptist tradition to, you know, studying existentialist philosophy, interfaith, uh, you know, um, um, comparative religion studies, you know, what metaphysics, what some people refer to the occult psychic phenomenon. It was like I was being prepared. It, it, it was definitely like I was being prepared, uh, you know, studying the Reiki and then having uh, the contact experiences. Um, you know, uh, 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 I was ordained several times. I was ordained in the spiritualist church initially. I got ordained as an interfaith minister. You know, so it was like, and a lot of these things came natural to me, I believe, because I had done this before in other lifetimes. I have been a monk. I have been a whole bunch of things. Uh, not the greatest person and maybe a more evolved person. But see, I think they were all preparing me for where I am now. But you don't, one does not always see that when you're in the midst of it. Uh, but but I, I do think that this is, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as far as 
being a servant. That's what I've always wanted to do. Uh, when I was an actor and when I left the professional theater, I, I said to myself, you know, at one time I was in the business of creating illusions, you know, because as an actor, that's what you're doing. Right. And now I'm in the business of shattering illusions. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, powerful. Uh, you know, you're kind of touching on you know, a little bit of like reincarnation and like this time around, you know, you're talking about shattering illusions and, I, you know, it seems like it might might have been a little different than, than what you, know, you were doing as a monk in, in, in another lifetime, but uh, – well, I do yeah, yeah, we live, need... I, I, I do live a monkish existence now, but that I don't mean by that just sexually. No, I mean I'm oh, a single that... man. But I get up, you know, I have the discipline. I get mm-hmm. up at 5:30 in the morning. I, sometimes I'm at the gym swimming, but I'm at the pool. But I'm, I have that meditative practice. I love living alone. I love um, that kind of solitude because it feeds my spirit. Uh, that's what I mean when I'm talking more about a monkish existence. I'm constantly studying, and that kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. You know, there are a lot of illusions that need to be broken today, and you know, I like yeah. You know, you're one of the people to do that. Well. I thank you. you. You've always been very supportive of me, and you've always kind of been in my corner, and and, and I and I I appreciate that. Um, I, I I how can I say? I go through this with my congregation. I what I what I try to do is I just try to give another narrative, and and just put it out there. I'm I'm not attached to the outcome. You know, whether it's my sermons or my talks at church or whatever I'm doing, I, I, I'm just I'm learning. But I'm, I, 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 I don't, don't be attached because if I have a message, I remember Marianne Williamson once saying that if anybody truly has something worth saying, there's always going to be somebody truly worth needing to hear it. And so. Um, I'm not attached to the outcomes of that. I mean, I, I, I will give my message and I let it go. Mm-hmm. And and that way I'm not too ego driven or they, they're not getting it or they, that's, you know, that kind of thing. No, I, I put it out there and it's up to for people to discern because I could always be wrong. But it's also up for people to discern in their hearts. Uh, what resonates with them, and I try to always keep that in mind. Yeah, uh, that, that's a I, I guess uh, what I'm powerful saying, message. Uh, yeah, I'm just I, I, I'm as I've gotten older, and I'm sure Barbara, you 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 may know about this as well as you, your wise counsel. Just that, you know, you you know, not everybody, but I, I'm I you know I'm losing the need to have to be right. You know, I, I, I just turned 62. 
uh, I'm going into a different phase of my life. I'm a young 62, but I'm still 62. And so the things <laughs> that triggered me before, what have you, really don't. So I, I, I do have to ask myself sometimes, Michael, do you want to be right or do you want to be at peace? And so, you know, again, I, I just put it out there. And, uh, and, and then, you know, we'll see where it lands. Well, it does make life a lot easier that way now, doesn't it? Oh, my God. I mean, it's just the stress of having to constantly be right and to be telling people. And, uh, but, but, you know, again, it, 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 it depends on where you are in your evolution. Uh, I had a good friend. Uh, uh, I don't even know if Frank is still alive. But uh, he was he was uh, a, a, a Benedictine monk, and he quit the order. He was basically uh, an agnostic, and uh, we were very very close friends. He he was an actor and an artist. And uh, when I was younger, you know, I had all the answers, and I was self righteous, and I wanted to change the world. And he was telling me, Michael. You know, you know, you, you got to enjoy your life too. Some of the stuff that you're you're worried about, it will it will pass. But I couldn't hear that because I was right. And uh, but he was always patient, and he always remained my friend. And uh, now I'm Frank. <laughs> now I'm Frank, and I'm telling other people that, sharing with them. You know, it will pass. You know, well, well you know, uh, uh, Michael, it's past. I tell, yeah. I tell people I'm always right. I always tell them what I feel. It may not be what they want to hear, but but I'm always honest. So in in that manner, I am always right. It may just not be the wrong thing right. for them to hear. Yeah, I I mean I mean I I I, I get it. I I don't know if I'm always right. Because I know that just like you can't believe everything you think, you also can't believe everything you feel. At least that's been my experience. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always quick to say, hey, it could be otherwise. It could be otherwise. And that way my bases are covered. And I really feel that way. It's not like a manipulative thing. It's just like I think that the Bible is, for instance, many things. Uh, not just the Bible, the Quran, the Dhammapada, the Upanishads, but I also think that there are UFO stories in there. I could be wrong about that, and I, people need to know that. But this is what I feel, and this is what I'm thinking, and I will share that with you. And if you don't, if you think it's blasphemy or I need to be some, that's fine. I, I don't have a, a dog in the hunt. My job is just to give it out. And what people do with it is up to them. You know, Michael, with you know the messages that you've ju- just given us, um, n- new perspectives. Um, uh, you, you, know, you are making us more aware, and yeah. You know, you did turn a, a topic like that into a chapter you contributed to the uh, free group's uh, oh, recent yes, publication. Yes. Uh, do, do you yes. want to tell us something? Yes. Because uh, Ray's going to be I know. there as well. 
Yeah, Beyond UFOs. It's called, this is volume one. It's pretty thick. You can get it on Amazon. Ray Hernandez, among others, is one. But Ray is one of the co-founders of Free, uh, which is the Dr. the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experiences. It is a 501c3 academic research uh, institute. And so what Ray did, did and uh, I think he's on the cutting edge, he wanted to, you know, outside of the narrative of the mean wicked uh, star people who wanted to come take over. He went and he spoke to people like myself and other people who said, wait a minute, we've had positive experiences with these beings. Uh, we've, We've undergone some type of transformation, and we'd like to be an alternative voice to those who who are saying, that these beings mean us no good. Not saying that people who have had traumatic uh, encounters, not saying that that's not true, but just again giving the, that there's another voice. The voices are important. The only person I knew, well, John Mack talked about this, uh, Dr. Richard Boyland, who will be uh, in Nevada in November, wrote a book many, 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 many years ago called uh, Positive Experiences with Extraterrestrial Beings. And he did something similar, but not on the scale that uh, uh, Ray has done. And it, it was just offering up another perspective. And I think that's very important. Why? I'm glad you asked. Because when you and I were talking today about some topics or how to link certain conversations, mm-hmm. we, were, we, we were talking about why all of a sudden the government is starting to just give us increments bits and pieces of they're throwing us some crumbs. And the first thing that came to my mind was, and it's the most obvious one, is that A, there's going to be probably a sighting, and I'm not saying there already hasn't been, but that they cannot explain away, that they're not going to be able to kind of finesse it. That's number one. But number two is, um, I was talking about Dr. Carol Rosen. Dr. Rosen uh, was featured in Dr. Greer's book, Disclosure. She was the first woman corporate manager of Fairchild Industries, okay? And she was a spokesperson for Werner von Braun. Now, uh, uh, Brother Braun came over with Operation Paperclip. He worked with the Nazis and their te- with rocket uh, technology and that kind of thing. And he revealed in the 70s uh, that the Gulf War of the 90s was planned. He told Dr. Rosen that there was a plan to justify weapons in space based on hoaxing an extraterrestrial threat. Okay? And mm-hmm. she said that on, in, on his deathbed, he was dying of cancer. 
And he said that this is how it would go down. He said um, that the first enemy were going to be the Russians. Okay? They, you know, they were the communists. They were coming to get us. Okay, this was in 1974. The second threat would be terrorists. Okay, they, that's what that's what the world would be told. This is our next threat. It's the terrorists. The next threat after that was going to be the threat of an asteroid. Okay. We have to. We have to defend. This, these are all the excuses to put weapons in space. All right. And lastly, she said that uh, uh, Werner von Braun said the last card would be, and I'm using her words, the alien card. We're going to have to build space-based weapons against aliens. And he said, he told her that all of this was a lie. He said that this, is, this has been planned for decades. And I started to think about that because I was saying, why now? Why now? What is it about now? And so that's, that's what I wanted to share. The other thing was this, and more on a social political thing. I'm, I, I have a book here called Inventing the Axis of Evil. It was written in 2004 uh, by a guy named Bruce Cummings, Irvan uh, Abrahamian, and Moshe Maas. And it was called The Truth About North Korea, Iran, and Syria. And they were saying in this book that, again, the plan to, to fight North Korea, but it's, it, it hasn't gone well because they have nuclear weapons. And so they're not as easy. But the plan to, to fight Iran and Syria, this was, they were, this was being talked about in defense circles back in the 60s and 70s. My point is, out of all this, is that, well, we see it now. We went through Iraq. We're trying to work with North Korea, and we're, and we're already in Syria. The point I'm trying to make is, is that the powers that be, because we know that the president, the president doesn't run the country. Corporations do. The powers that be, when we're asleep, they're thinking. They're thinking of how to get what they want done, done. So we have uh, Dr. Cho, Dr. Rosen talking about this going on in the 70s, probably before. And so now I'm starting, I'm starting to connect the dots a little bit. Again, could be wrong, but something worth thinking about. And the same thing with inventing the axis of evil. North Korea, Iran, and Syria, they were being planned as geopolitical um, uh, pieces of territory that we wanted to control since back in the 70s. Wow. And everything that you've, the samples, four samples that you've brought brought up have happened uh, or, or and maybe not so much the asteroid, but you keep hearing about something, uh, Nibiru uh, getting a little closer 
Um, but, you know, we're just kind of waiting a little bit more on the alien uh, part of, of this to happen. Uh, where is disclosure going to disrupt that? Do you think disclosure will disrupt uh like number four from uh, you know being the uh, culmination of the, these four events happening, and we can avert like some kind of catastrophic world war. I don't know. I I I don't know. I I I don't know, and I think that's where the consciousness comes in. Granted, you know, we're not going to get 8 billion people to all sit down and sing Kumbaya. However, <coughs> pardon me, there are, there is evidence, depending on how you look at life. Is, the, is it half full or half empty, the glass? I mean, we're having conversations about things just all over the world. Um that we, I, I never thought we'd have conversations about. We're having conversations about whether capitalism is the best form of government as we head into deeper into the 21st century. We're talking about race, at least in this country, in, 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 in different ways, in painful ways, but we're talking about that. How, the mm-hmm. role of women in our society, the role of, of marginalized peoples of color and poor white brothers and sisters. I mean, this stuff is all on the agenda. We're talking about corruption in high places. Uh, the technology makes all of this stuff more, uh, the optics uh, are, are more clear about uh, certain things. And so we have a chance here. Uh, uh, it, it can seem like chaos, but I think that we have a chance, at least I'm talking about, at least in this country now, uh, you know, because this is where I live. I keep up with some things over across the pond and in other countries, but we have a chance now to decide which way we want to go. What kind of America do we want? What kind of country do we want to be? Now, other countries have had this conversation, not all, uh, uh, but but a lot of European countries have had this conversation. And so there, there is a more civilized lifestyle in some countries. If we look at the Scandinavian countries, there's a reason that they're happy people. Now, this is not saying that they're perfect, but they seem to have found a way to at least live more in harmony with, you know, with, with, with each other. Again, not a utopia. We are young. And we've been the bosses on the block for so long. So we, we, who knows where we're going to go? Uh, but we, have, we do have a chance, I think, to divert certain things. But it depends on the consciousness of people, and that's why I do what I do. I know that's why you, you guys do what you do, getting a different uh, a message out on the airwaves to raise the frequency, to raise the vibration a little bit, giving people information. They can turn that information into wisdom. Um, I think that that's where we're going to have to go in order to survive. Uh, 
as a, as 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 a species because we can control it. We, we can we can destroy ourselves. So to your initial question, I have no idea. I'm just waiting to see how things play out. Uh, because there's some answers that we just don't have now. But in the meantime, there's always plenty of work to do. And that's the work of just being a human being. Well, you know, as you've been talking for the last few minutes, it's what you said is almost like. Uh, you know, Christmas Carol and uh, you know Scrooge dealing with you know the uh, ghost of Christmas is yet to come. Yeah, you, 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 you can still make those choices and uh, 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 avert the gloom and doom. I just well, yeah. I mean, listen, the gloom and doom. Listen, let's say heaven forbid that in the next hour there's a nuclear launch. Okay. We can't stop that. Barbara can't stop it. I can't stop it. You can't stop it. But the point is, is that if that's the way you have to go out, heaven forbid, if you look at your life and you can say, you know what? Along the path, I tried to love somebody. Along the path, I tried to help somebody. I raised my hand more to heal than to harm. That's really all you're responsible to do. You don't have to take on all the problems of the world. You don't have to save everybody from themselves. All you're responsible for is the vibration that you create while you're here. That's all you're responsible for. Because a lot of times, not all the time, we've had this conversation, a lot of people want to change the world, but they don't want to change themselves. And the problem is Trump. The problem is Biden. The problem is uh, uh, what's her name, uh, Miss Cortez. The pro- but but it's never us. It's always somebody else. And like Thich Nhat Hanh reminds us, the enlightenment is when a wave realizes that it's part of the ocean. So as long as we buy into this illusion that I'm separate from you. We will have the mess that we have. That has been the sorrows, the cause of all the sorrows of all of the world. That you and I are not the same. That you and I are different from one another. Yes, we're different in our uniqueness, but we're. I'm just as unique as everybody else. But it's if you get more, then I get less. Your hair is different from mine. You sleep with someone that I wouldn't sleep with. You know, I mean, whatever it is. And this is, this, as they say in the 12-step program, our best thinking got us here. This is the best humankind has done from all the eons of being on the planet. This, our best thinking has got us here. So even Ray Charles could see that maybe, you know, even Einstein says it, right? You can't solve a problem from the same consciousness that created it in the first place. 
but we continue to do that as a species as well as as individuals. So there's the old saying, if you want to keep on getting what you're getting, keep on doing what you're doing. And, and, and Michael, that fits in with you know what you're talking about. You know, you know, uh, acting was creating creating illusions. You know, as a minister, you're, you know, you're breaking down more uh, uh, of illusions and uh, you know helping people to. Uh, See the truth, you know, for lack of a better word. But you know, you know, as we were talking earlier today, you know, we did bring up like how much that uh, um, scene from the X Files just really resonated with so many uh, you know, people uh, who were involved in uh, you know, like internet radio and the guests, and yeah, it was yeah. that. And that was really uh, breaking down illusions there about what's really going on with uh, what you, what you're talking about with dividing people. Uh, uh, some people you know, want to be alienated uh, from everyone else, and you know, like they, but they're still making all the rules. Uh, you know that. That one, like, what, three-minute segment really seemed to change uh, uh, the the uh, awesome power that TV can have. Yeah, yeah. Technology can be used for for wonderful things to educate and to to unify. No doubt about it. Um, but we don't use it that way all the time right we there are people who know more about their baseball team or their football teams than they do about what's going on in the world and that's by design it's like the old roman circus you know give them bread and circuses and they don't they don't know that they're getting screwed they don't know that they're getting screwed and so but that's how you control people that is definitely how you control you don't even know it and you you know you can you can throw in a little bit of truth with a lot of disinformation or a lot of disinformation with a little bit of truth. And that's where you have to discern for yourself. What, what resonates with me? Uh, There was a story I told yesterday at church. I'm sorry, Monday. It was, it was, it was just a cute little joke, but it was about a guy. He was a minister and he lied and he didn't go to work one Sunday. He went to play golf. And uh, this angel says to God, whatever that means or looks like to our audience, whatever that looks like to you. Uh, and the angel says he needs to be punished. And uh, uh, and uh, so God just kind of listens. And so the, the the guy hits a hole in one. I mean, he his first swing at the at uh, at the ball, and it goes like 250 yards and lands right in the hole. And so. The angel says, I thought you were going to punish him. You let him get away with that. And God says, what? What's the big deal? Who's going to believe him? And so the thing is, is that, um, you know, 
the truth could be a truth because, you know, it could be right there in front of you. But if it's mixed in, I mean, who's going to believe you? Who's going to believe you? But now that's changing because of shows like this and, you know, the, the conferences and what have you. But basically it was that. You could go and tell someone, I saw a ship last night and a being got out and gave me some information or whatever, a little rock or a crystal or showed me the future. Who's going to believe you? It, as... Can we talk more about the uh, truth? Um, it, it seems like there's been a, a little bit more openness about the, uh, you know, the uh, military just not flat out denying. Um, uh, UFOs. Uh, they have a new term uh, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Unidentified aerial phenomenon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, but again, we touched on it about ten minutes ago. The question is, why? Why now? Mm-hmm. And 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 in some ways, and this is just me, I don't need them to tell me something that I already know is true. So I'm not kind of hanging on their every word. I mean, I feel vindicated, but even then. Because governments lie. That's how they stay in power. Um, It'd be nice if they didn't, but that's what they do. And so we know that our history is duplicitous in some ways, Uh, uh, maybe not any more or less than any other country. So again, and that's where patience comes in. The question becomes, why now? And that will be revealed. That will be revealed. It will come out. Maybe, you know, whether they wanted to or not. So the question is, why now? But also the question is, you, we have lives to live. You know what I mean? We have, like, like tomorrow, uh, uh, i got to go to work, okay? And so that's the reality. I could have a visit tonight, And I may call you up and tell you, and this is what was told me or what happened. But when it's all said and done, the next day I got to go to work. I got to pick up my daughter from school. The thing is, is that how you integrate all of this into your life, because that's that's where it's at. You don't need an extraterrestrial to come down to tell you that you need to learn to love or that you need to look at some of your baggage. Uh, It has happened, obviously, to people, myself included, but you don't really need that because otherwise you just become an exclusive club. I was visited and you weren't. And that's that. I mean, maybe that's for some people, but that's not what I'm about. I'm different from you because this happened. No, the point is, is that for me, the question becomes, like Ray talks about, like we talked about in the book, how has it changed you where you can contribute to making the planet a better place? You know, and it doesn't have to be great. We all can't be Dr. King or Mother Teresa or whatever. But like Mother Teresa once said, you want to change the world, go home and love your family. There's there's a challenge for you, because we all got dysfunctional families. You know, Ru- Ruby tells us, 
uh, when I was young and clever, I wanted to change the world. When I got young and old, when I got older, I, I just needed to change myself. This is the message. This is the message of transformation in order to save what's left of this planet. But that's just about changing ourselves. And religion and philosophy have been talking about this for eons. If you notice, there were some UFO questions that we talked about. But mostly we talked about how do we live. And when, right. I, go, when I go to these conferences, uh, I talk about the Bible. I talk about the Quran and, you know, my interpretations of that. But when I start talking about spirituality, the cultivation of an inner life, to be able, how do I learn to be a better person to deal with my neighbor? You can hear a pin drop. Because the bottom line is, you still got to get up tomorrow morning and you got to live. You've got to live. You've got responsibilities. And that's what I'm trying to get people to see. That yes, if you're fortunate enough or unfortunate, to, however you want to look at it, that you because people have seen other spirits and ghosts and stuff like that. I mean, you know, that's part of uh, you can get on a spiritual path, whether you see ET, whether you see ghosts, or whether you see spirits, or you have great psychic phenomenon, or you're a healer, those are not the path, those are things that happen when you're on the path. But that's not the path itself. The path is to become a more whole, more loving, more healthy human being. And if you're not careful, you can get stuck in the sensational part of it, mm-hmm. and then you miss it. And then you miss life, see? I can walk around saying, well, I see extraterrestrials, and they come to me, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm walking around like that. I could miss my whole life because I'm separate from you. See, I'm special. I'm special. I'm not special. I had something happen to me, and it changed me for the better, and I want to share it. And people will say, okay, Michael, that sounds good, but they're going to look at the way I live my life. How do I live? And for me, that's the message. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the message. Uh, 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 we're glad, glad you were able to use our forum to get that out there, and ho- hopefully the listeners came away with uh, a new perspective tonight. And well, you, yeah. you'll have e- okay. even a larger platform next month. As, yeah, you know, in Tennessee, yes, in Knoxville. Okay, so you know we're down to I, I don't know like three four minutes left. Uh, okay. So so uh, yeah, uh, do you want to tell her what, what it's going to be in, in Knoxville, Tennessee? Yes, yeah, it's going to be at the Knoxville Convention Center. It's called Alien Expo, uh, and it's going to be. I'm thinking it's going to be great. Um, uh, some wonderful speakers there. You can go online. And look at and look at that. And it's from uh, it's Saturday, August seventeenth, 
and uh, Sunday, August 18th at the Knoxville Convention Center. There is a meet and greet uh, on Saturday evening. Um, and I think it, it starts, I think this, the, the thing starts at 9.30 on Saturday morning. And if they want to oh, get a hold okay, of so you, how do they do that? They can uh, get a hold of me at Michael J. S. Carter at gmail.com, or you can just go to my website, which is michaeljscarter.com. Uh, my books are on Amazon, or you can see them on my website. And uh, if you write me, I will respond. Uh, probably try the, the Gmail first. I, I don't go on my website as often as I should, even though I did put uh, this on my website this morning. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. So, and also on Facebook. And it's always a pleasure uh, uh, to be with you and, and Barbara and keep on keeping on. And uh, we'll see how this whole thing plays out. Yeah. Well, uh, we're just glad, glad you were here and uh, and just get, gave us, uh, well, and uh, Mary did too. Uh, both of you, both of you uh, gave us a lot to think about. And that's all we can do, and, and that's all that's, that's necessary. And you open your heart and you say, this feels good, this rings true, or this doesn't. And uh, that's, that's how we do it because you've got to be your own kind of judge, your own teacher in a lot of ways. You, um, and, and, trust, and we trust ourselves, you know, learn to trust ourselves. I think, I think we're, you, you're, you're getting us slowly there. Baby well, steps, like Barbara says. You've given me the platform, so I appreciate it. We're all, it's all, it's all interconnected. I want to thank you for having me on. I look forward to, to you know, I hope to get a link from you because I want to send it to people. Yeah. Um, we'll and, get it. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, we'll get it to you tomorrow. Okay. And uh, uh, Barbara, do you want to wrap up any last minute? Uh, you know, we have a show tomorrow from 2 to 4 with Ahmed Osman. Uh, or, or is there anything else you want to say? It is, we we uh, uh, come down to the last minute or so. Um, no, it's been a fabulous show, Mark, and Oh, awfully good to talk to Michael again. It's been quite a while. It's been a while, Barbara, but I appreciate talking to you again. And <laughs> yes, Mark, you, you you just you just get better and better with this. I I really I really enjoy when we when we sit down and chat. Yeah, it it's fun. I I get a lot out of this too. So yeah, uh, yeah if um, yeah, you're looking to do you know. Last few weeks of summer vacation, got the Alien Expo in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yep, and in November I'll be out in uh, Laughlin, Nevada with uh, Paola Harris um, at a conference on uh, UFOs and consciousness and psychic abilities. So that'll be fun, too. That's November uh First, second, and third. Time right. to say good night, Mark. Yeah. Okay. Hey, th- 
Thank you, Michael and Mary. Uh, see you tomorrow. Thanks, Barbara, for producing this. Have a good yeah. night. Good night.